The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I had a little chuckle to myself in here a minute ago. I have uh, spring training baseball on my TV in the background while I work through most of the day right now. And, and baseball did a baseball thing to me, which is I just forgot it was going. I recorded the first 15 seconds of this podcast and then realized that there was a spring training Dodger game that you guys could have very clearly heard. So I went back and I erased the thing. But that's what I love about day baseball, really day sports in general, but day baseball. It's just, I know those games don't count. That's not really the point of all this. It's really about just having that on. It feels very, it's it's comforting almost to me to have day baseball on in the background but that's not the point of this podcast this is fantasy nba today nba is basketball so i'm not going to talk about spring training baseball anymore i'm dan vespers this is your friday weekend edition also your week in review edition of fantasy nba today we will go through my favorite ads holds streamers drops watch list guys and a couple of buy-sell ideas, that one of which I think I mentioned already earlier this week. But I know some of you guys listen to the Friday show and maybe miss one or two during the week. So we will hit on some stuff that happened Monday through Thursday. We'll also take a look ahead at what's coming up tonight. Although I realize those games are starting about the time this podcast drops. But that's okay. You guys know what we'll be looking for on the fantasy side as we preview... Every single team's next ball game. So whatever happens Friday, Saturday, that usually takes care of most of the 30 teams in the NBA. We'll just kind of get you guys prepared. The point of that exercise, by the way, of doing this sort of uh, weekend preview stuff is so when you guys only have limited time to watch games or check box scores, you have areas you can just jump to. Like a cliff notes. Okay, this is what we're watching for on Saturday. Great. That's where my eyes are going to go. I'm not going to occupy myself with a bunch of other stuff. I might miss something, but at least I'm going to get the key things that we're pretty sure are going to be clawing onto everybody's radars. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris. Please do that. Also follow Hoopball, our overlords here, on Twitter at HoopballFantasy. It is a fantasy news feed. Fantasy breaking news feed. What I don't know if I need to tell you anything else about it to describe why you should be following that. That is, again, at HoopBallFantasy. I am at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. A handful of you have already entered our next contest, which is another Rate the Podcast contest, but it's for our sister show over at Hoopball Gaming, another Twitter feed you should be following, at Hoopball Gaming, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-G-A-M-I-N-G, Hoopball Gaming. The podcast is called Today in Sports Betting. Those of you using Apple products, that's the ones that really do it for us, open up the podcast app on your mobile device or open up iTunes on a computer. Search for Today in Sports Betting. Drop a five-star review on the show. Write something nice. Subscribe to the podcast and screenshot it to me at Dan Bespris or email it to teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. I need your help, all of you guys. There's thousands of you out there. I need at least a handful of you to do it. And we're giving away more cash prizes 
to uh, winners of this contest as well. So there's an incentive to do it on uh, on your own side. And go take your cash prize, place... I don't care, man. Let's let's say hypothetically we put like 50 or 60 bucks in a betting account for you. You know what you can do with that if you want? You can cash it out. I don't even care. Play $10 of it on something. Cash out the rest. It's it's for you to do. It's for you to play with. So please do. Again, Today in Sports Betting is the name of the show. Five-star review. Write something nice. Subscribe. Those the three parts. Write something. Five-star. Subscribe. And then the fourth part is screenshot it at Dan Bespris or email it to teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Let's break down the week that just went by, and it was a really fun one on the fantasy side. And we've been uh, enjoying it all week long because our guys are just exploding. Hoopball guys, guys that we talked about in this podcast, guys that we talked about from the Real Big Three podcast with my buddies Scott and Jonas. As I get overexcited and need a sip of root beer, it's been so awesome this week. So let's start at the top with the ads of the week, some of which, listen, I'll, I'll provide an explanation on all this stuff so you don't have to worry about the context of it. But here are some ads, and I have a laundry list of them. I think there's 11 names on my ads list this week, and, and they're in no particular order. I go through the games backwards. I start on Thursday, and I just go through Thursday, Wednesday, Tuesday, and Monday, to make sure that I've checked out all of the things that have happened throughout the week. Uh, And so I will let you guys know who are the most important ones on this list. But with 11 names, we do kind of need to break down who are the biggest and the keyest ones. First name on the list is Joe Ingles, which is a, a silly one. I'm fully aware of it that the reaction you guys are having when I say it is he's owned everywhere. He's rostered in every league. Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, he's at 49% roster ship he was a guy that was over rostered at the beginning of the year when he was terrible he was under rostered when Mike Conley missed a week and a half and he was brilliant as what beginning of February right he had like about four four or five game stretch where he was just crushing everyone Conley came back Ingles kind of disappeared although lately and he had a huge game on Thursday against the Wizards with Conley resting again that's I mean that's where you know you can throw Joe into your lineup but overall this year He's been wonderful. You know, he had a lot of stuff going on on the personal side last season, and so it's really cool to see him kind of bust through on the other side of that. He's shooting fifth from the field, career best 88% at the free throw line. A lot of things have locked into place for Joe Ingles. And this is, by the way, with his steals, actually the steals rate for him has gone way down this year. So even if the field goal percent and free throw percent trend down, which you have to believe they will, he's shooting 48% from downtown this season right now. Steals from .5, that'll have to go up more towards .8, I would think. It'd be weird for one thing to level off, but the other one not to, but I guess anything is possible in this semi-abridged weirdo season. Surprisingly quiet productivity, and he's pushed himself now inside the top 100 for the first time. I think for the uh, over the bulk of the season, I think this is the first time he's been inside the top 100 in total. So yeah, he's a guy that needs to be rostered right now. Moses Brown, next name on the list. This is a really fun one, and admittedly, you know, he's he had a couple of big ones. By the way, there's there are two M Browns on the Thunder roster, so make sure you don't click on Markel Brown by accident when you're pulling up stats the way that Dan has done a few times this week. Moses Brown has now played five games in a row. 
since being recalled from the G League. 19 minutes, 27, 24, 30, 23. I am fully aware that Brown's most recent game on Thursday was not an inspiring one. Five points, four rebounds, one steal, one block. He made a couple of shots, missed a free throw among whatever he was doing while he was out there, a steal, a block. It was uh, underwhelming. Underwhelming. For sure. 23 minutes is actually the good news of all of this. So let me put it in a better light for you guys. We all know he had the 20-16 and 16 game with five blocks against the Bulls. He got pushed around a little bit by Clint Capella. Uh, Rotations-wise, that was a really bad matchup for Brown against the Hawks because Capella comes out at about the six-minute mark of the first quarter for Atlanta. They go small, generally, although I think they played Nathan Knight at center a bit more in their last ballgame. They often go small for the remaining few minutes of the first quarter, and then Capella comes back out and actually tends to play early minutes in the second quarter. So Brown a reserve for the Thunder, actually only had a few minutes against a non-established center on the other side. Thunder are off for a couple of days. They have a back-to-back coming up uh, Sunday-Monday. Make sure I get the dates right on that stuff. Yes, Sunday at Houston, Monday at Minnesota. Horford's going to sit one half at least of that back-to-back. We don't know how many games he's going to sit the rest of the way. Simple fact is he's going to sit some, and in those games, Brown's going to see more minutes. But the fact that he still got 23 with Horford playing, and the last game Horford plays, he actually got 27 minutes in that one. This is really good news. You could argue that Darius Baisley's return could impact Brown in a little bit, a little bit in case they want to uh, make sure that Pokashevsky's seeing minutes so they could go a bit smaller, run Roby up to center, sit Brown, his minutes would take a hit there. I don't see it happening. I think they really want to see what they have in this young fella. And so, you know, a 23-minute floor would be more than enough, given his ability to rebound, block shots, and presumably shoot a very high percentage from the field. So Moses Brown's a guy that must remain on your roster. I know people dropped him after his 5.4 rebound game on Thursday. Don't be one of those people. As far as his teammate goes, Isaiah Roby, I actually don't think he's a must-own player. I'm putting him on my ads list because I think that, you know, if Horford gets fully shut down, that really helps Roby. In fact, more than it helps Moses Brown because Roby can do a little bit of ball handling. We've seen him slide around, play some power forward. He's a little bit more versatile, but at the same time, he's not the rim protector that Brown is. So Roby is a bit more of an ad. I mean, you could even put him on your watch list for now. He's more of a watch list guy and an ad if or when Al Horford gets traded, shut down, whatever happens here, partially shut down the rest of the way. He's putting up some numbers in the meantime, but they're just not super inspiring, and I couldn't couldn't decide where I wanted to put him on our list for this weekend review. So I put him in the ads column, and then I figured I would just put a disclaimer on his name. Dante DiVincenzo, I threw in the ads column. He should have been on rosters uh, for most of the season. It's been weirdly up and down year for Dante, where he got off to a very quick start, slowed down for a while. He's exploded a few times. The trade of DJ Augustine is going to be helpful for him because the Bucks' front court got more crowded, the acquisition of P.J. Tucker. 
the backcourt got thinner. And you can see it in their very in their most recent ball game. Bucks have won five games in a row, by the way. And for DiVincenzo, in this most recent game against Philly, the one where they were down a few players, he had twenty eight and five with three steals and four three pointers. He's quite healthy. Uh, the the he's kind of near his floor. And the only problem with Dante is that his percentages have just not been very good this year. That's the thing that we need to improve. He's at 42% because most of his shots are from downtown. He needs to get better at the free throw line. That stuff is holding him back more than it should. He's a good, either one of those two, one one or both, he's a good percentage away from being a big-time difference maker. And right now, instead, they're holding him back a little bit. Next on the list is Jordan Poole out in Golden State, and he's another guy that I had some trouble deciding what category I wanted to drop him in. I'm actually going to float him over into the streamers spot because I think he profiles more of a, as a points lead guy, but with Steph Curry likely to miss a couple of ball games, he's going to probably get 16 to 20 shots a night. That's a lot. You have to be quite bad in other categories to not hit fantasy value if you're getting uh, more than 16 shots a game. For instance, if you go to Basketball Monster and you sort by field goal attempts and just look at anybody taking more than 16 shots in a game, there are there's really one, maybe two players that are not legitimate fantasy values in that amount of time. John Wall is one of them because he's been so awful in free throw percent, field goal percent, and turnovers that he's been able to sag the rest of his stuff. Uh, Russell Westbrook is the other for the same general reason. He's been horrible in both percentages and even worse in turnovers. But these are guys that, like, they had to be epically bad in both percentages and turnovers to where the volume couldn't overwhelm it. The other guys that are even remotely close to not having enough value are Colin Sexton, Darren Fox. Those guys are in the 105-110 range, and uh, that's fine. D'Angelo Russell is also in that mix. As you drop a little bit lower, 15 shots per game, John Morant, Anthony Edwards also creep in, Dylan Brooks as you get a little bit farther down the board. But again, these are the exceptions I'm talking about now, let's see, one, two, three, four. We're talking about 60 players, and out of 60 players, you can fit pretty much in one hand the guys taking more than 16 shots a game. We've now gone farther than that, by the way. We've gone down to about 15. You can count pretty much in one hand. Let's see, it's one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, about five, maybe six guys that you wouldn't start every single game. So that is what, that in this particular case, that's what makes Jordan Poole a really interesting streamer. But I'm not sure that, because he doesn't rebound, he doesn't pass, he doesn't get many steals, it's generally points, threes, and a, a very good free throw percent. He's shooting 90% of the foul line this year. He's, he's got a good field goal percent this season as well. Uh, unclear if that's actually going to hold up. My guess would be it doesn't which is why he profiles a bit more as a points lead guy, because I do think that field goal percent is going to take a hit, and when it does, then he's just scoring in free throw percent, and that's not going to be enough when he's behind Steph. But if he's out there now for, let's say he gets 27, 28 minutes, he's taking like 12, 13 shots in 20, 21 minutes. Add another 40% to that, and yeah, you're getting him up to 16 shots a game, which seems nuts, but... 
If you need points, threes, he'll probably tumble his way into a couple of assists and maybe a steal just from being out there that long. Then uh, Jordan Poole makes sense as a streamer. And I put him in the ad column again just because there's a possibility he holds on to value as kind of a streamer with benefits for points leaguers after that's done. Let's bounce on over to Houston. I believe Jay Sean Tate joins Kevin Porter Jr. as two guys that should both be added. Porter was a very obvious one, but I don't think we've had a show since he went completely nuts. So Tate is the other guy I like. He's numbered 120 on the season overall, but he's still kind of finding himself. And so are we. I don't really know what Jay Sean Tate is. This is his rookie season. He's playing 28 minutes a game, averaging 10-5 and five with over a steal, a half a block, shooting 52% from the field and 73% at the free throw line. But that's a number that's actually been bouncing around quite a bit. Over the last month, he's shooting 47% from the field, but 74% at the free throw line. And his steals are up to 1.8 with his minutes up closer to 30. Who is Jay Sean Tate? The answer is, I don't truly know what I think from what we've seen so far is that he's generally going to be a decent field goal percent guy with a negative free throw percent, rebounds relatively well for a wing type player. He's basically a, a, a shooting guard, small forward, playing power forward on the Rockets, and he's going to get you a bunch of steals. He's going to get you a bunch of them, especially on a, a crap dink team like Houston right now. He's going to be rolling in them. So he's the guy besides KPJ that I'm adding, and then you can throw some of their other guys into the streamer department. Tomas Sadoransky is another ad. I know it's a long list today. Sado, uh, not, a, not a massive upside guy, but you got to love his ability to do the quiet things across the board. He's going to get you a handful of rebounds because he's a tall point guard. He's going to get you five or six assists because he's out there with guys that can score. He's going to get you a steal, a three-pointer. He'll get you part of a block because, again, he's a tall point guard. Good percentages. My kind of roto guy because he rounds out your team. He profiles as about an eighth-round kind of dude with a very high floor, almost no ceiling. Like, I can't see him going higher than seventh-round value the rest of the way, even if he sticks as a full-time starter on that Bulls club, just because he's not going to take many shots. It's really hard to, especially as a guard, to get up and over that, you know, top 85 range with almost no usage. Guards need usage to climb the board. Bigs don't, really. That's the advantage to being a high-efficiency big man. I put DeAnthony Melton on this list, but he's been on our ads list for about seven consecutive weeks on this show. He's number 91 in 20 minutes a game, guys. Just trot him out there, close your eyes, and hope for the best. That's where, that's where we're at with this one. He makes the Grizzlies so much better. For some reason, Taylor Jenkins hasn't fully figured this thing out. I don't know why they're yanking him around like this, but in terms of guards, he is basically the only one in the NBA that can rack up fantasy value without playing big minutes or having giant usage. He gets it with assists. He gets it on the fast break. He gets it with steals, with efficiency. He's tremendous. He's terrific. He's terrific, and he hasn't even fully hit that that top gear love it you guys need all the d'anthony melton you can grab and then when he plays 15 minutes and has a bad game don't worry about it because you know it's going to even out we've watched the story long enough now 
Josh Richardson is an ad. Uh, I know I advocated dropping him about a month ago, and it seems like he's finally healthy, but we've talked about him a ton this week, so I'm not going to go into uh, too much detail on today's show. Suffice to say, it seems like he's finally healthy, so roll with it. Uh, ha, I put Moses Brown on this list twice. Apparently, that's how important he was. Marcus Morris is the last name on my ads list because he is a very not exciting ad. In starters minutes, he will be right around top 100-110, which makes sense in a lot of formats. He's a little bit specialisty, free throws, threes, and a handful of rebounds from a center-eligible player. Uh, and if you're dropping him out there, if you're, if you're dumping in your lineup, just assume you're going to get like about 0.8 steals to go along with the other stuff. Hopefully, maybe around 14 points, five boards, two threes. It's useful, but there's no upside there. None. But he's an ad because he's better than streamer level by about uh, one and a half rounds, I'd say. And it's not really streamer if he's just going to be the starter. And he might be now. I want to see how he does with Serge Ibaka back because those two guys, uh, at least in terms of offense, are not that dissimilar from one another. I know defensively they're they're pretty different. Uh, but with Morris, part of the reason I think he was getting so many shots against the Mavs was that Ivica Zubac was the center. So he's not out there looking for anything other than being the role man. And so that leaves more stuff for Marcus. So we'll see what the Clippers look like when Ibaka comes back. But if Marcus Morris is playing 32 starters minutes, then yeah, he belongs on a roster because at that point, he's uh, probably a ninth round kind of guy. Got some names in the hold category I wanted to throw at you guys. Royce O'Neal, Justin Holiday, Sadiq Bey, and Keldon Johnson. O'Neal, because actually he's you know similar to the Marcus Morris type of thing, where there's just a very high floor, very low ceiling. Fitz builds. If you're in Roto games cap type of stuff, I realize it's, you know, you're looking for more on a per game basis than what O'Neal is giving you. He's number 108 on the season overall, but you're getting. Uh, some threes, some rebounds, some assists, some steals, and you're getting it on very low turnovers with okay free throw percent, even though he doesn't generally go there. So just a quiet producer, probably better suited for head-to-head leagues if you want to just bl- you know dump him into a lineup and assume he's going to be fine week to week. Durable. Has he missed a game this year? I don't know. Possibly not. Uh, just useful all the way around. He's, he's getting dropped in some spots because I think people are just getting bored with the fact that he's not that exciting. By totals this year, he's number 69. That's a, that's a no-brainer. Especially in a year where so many guys are missing games, it's actually pretty useful to have a guy that isn't. Justin Holiday is my next hold. Uh, I mean, I... I don't know why people would drop him, but I did see him dumped in one or two spots, and he shouldn't be. He's number 86 on a per-game basis. He's number 57 by totals this year. Justin Holiday, a hard hold suggestion. Sadiq Bey had a quiet game, got dropped in a bunch of spots. He's a hold. As you guys saw, he bounced back with a big one. They play again tonight in Houston, so that should be an opportunity to have a better ball game again. And Keldon Johnson, who... Was slowing down. I do believe that the absence of LaMarcus Aldridge and as he gets his wind back here post-COVID, he's sort of nightly buying himself more time on my rosters. I want to see if, you know, maybe the the layoff, I know that getting his wind back has kind of sucked, but maybe just for his actual physical health, uh, his limbs, his knees, that type of stuff, maybe the little break wasn't the worst thing in the world. He'd rather it have been for some other reason 
than COVID. But, you know, now does he have energy for the Spurs stretch run? I hope so. I hope so. He's had two good games in a row with minutes over 30, and so that's going to continue to buy him time. Streamers, Alec Burks out in New York is stream ready with no point guards left on the Knicks roster. Quickly, sorry, Frank Nilakina, you are not, you don't count at this point. Emmanuel Quickly, Derek Rose, Alfred Payton are all injured for the Knicks these days. So Alec Burks has been terrific for about five games in a row. Uh, he was good enough with two of those three point guards down with all three of them out of the mix. He had a big game, 21 and 10 against Orlando. He's still only 23% rostered in leagues, so a very viable stream with uh, positive impact free throw percent scoring. And, yeah, I mean, not a whole lot beyond that. He'll probably get you a couple of assists, maybe fraction of a steal. The 10 rebounds were a bit out of character. You're probably looking at more like four to five if he's playing starters minutes. So it's good. He's inside the top 100 in Streamtown. And, and again, if you need points, which many of us do, they're hard to find, he's a, he's a terrific stream right now. K.J. Martin out in Houston, as long as Oladipo and Wall are unclear on when they're going to be playing, he's getting enough minutes to stream right now. I'm a little bit reticent about playing K.J., Mm, but I, I'm okaying it as a stream. I'm hereby, I'm hereby stamping it the okay. Will Barton is another stream right now. He is dunking on everyone. I don't know where all this energy came up for Will, but he's been great for the better part of about two weeks now. Over those two weeks, he's a top 40 fantasy player. 22 points, four three-pointers, four boards, four assists, over a steal. He's been amazing. He's playing way over his head, taking 15 and a half shots per game over that stretch not sustainable. I mean, this is a guy that even in his highest usage years was at about 12 and a half shots per game. This year, he's playing 30 minutes a night, taking about 10 and a half shots per game. You know, maybe things are starting to level off a little bit for him here and this hot streak balancing out a very long cold one. Enjoy it while you can. It won't last the rest of the way. Drops. This is always sad. I feel like we need some sad music I don't have it, so we're just going to do the drops. Davis Bertans is a drop. His calf injury, uh, I think that was the last, wasn't that the last thing that he hurt? Who cares at this point? It was knee, it's calf, it's it's always something. It's always something this year. It's just that year for Davis. He's out for at least two weeks. He's a drop. He hasn't been good enough even when healthy. And now that he's hurt, it's not, it's not enough to... Uh, to, to sit on, really. I mean, the hope that there something might appear is largely gone. I've dropped Derek Rose because I'm I'm genuinely concerned that even when he comes back from COVID, he's not going to be himself for a week or two after that. And we're at this a point in the season now where if he comes back next week and isn't himself for two additional weeks, you're talking about mid-April. Okay, maybe you get him back at that point, but no one. I don't think people are going to grab him if you drop him. And if they do, they probably dump him because he won't be very good for a couple weeks when coming back. Though, the way through that, there is this weird path through the trees for Derrick Rose, where if he comes back when Quickly and Peyton are both out, they'll have no choice but to play him a whole bunch, or pretty much as much as his lungs and body can handle. And so maybe, 
even if the percentages are bad as he's trying to get his legs and wind back, maybe he's good enough or loud enough in the scoring column that he doesn't get dropped again. But I can almost promise that if he comes back and any one of those other point guards is also healthy, they'll be splitting minutes. Rose will be tired because that's what this illness is doing to NBA players at the very least. And it's going to be hard for him to to hit fantasy numbers. He needs to be shooting a good percentage from the field, getting the foul line, because that's where his value is, making passes. He's a points assist, free throw percent, field goal percent guy, because he doesn't hit the three ball, doesn't get many defensive stats, although more this year, doesn't rebound. It's going to be hard. Gary Trent Jr., a drop, that's an obvious one. C.J. McConnell's... uh, McCollum is ramping up. Why Why did Dan say McConnell? Because the next guy on the list is TJ McConnell. Sorry, Dan should have thought this through. Don't make a note about CJ McCollum next to TJ McConnell on a notepad page here. Uh, CJ McCollum is probably going to be sitting out at back-to-back here, but he's coming back, and so Gary Trent is about to be erased, men in black style, from fantasy value. TJ McConnell is a drop for me. I'm... You know, I know he played enough minutes in his last game to get pretty close to fantasy value, but the, the usage just isn't there anymore. And it's time, as with Nerland's Noel, for me, Dan, your friendly host, to just admit that, you know, let's not hang on longer than we need to. Those guys had a really good run. TJ McConnell was great for about the last six or seven weeks. Nerland's Noel was great up until the last week for about a month and a half also with Mitchell Robinson out. I guess that was about a month and even a couple weeks before that. But with Taz Gibson playing big minutes, McCon- uh, Robinson coming back, Nerlens is on the drop list, McConnell's on the drop list, Bobby Portis is on the drop list. He was already droppable, and now the Bucks added P.J. Tucker. Wendell Carter Jr. is on my drop list because he's playing 20 minutes off the bench. And Kelly Olynyk is on my drop list. He was a streamer, but Bam Adebayo is back. I know Kelly had one big game despite Bam coming back, but that's not something that you're going to see every night. The watch list for me right now, guys, that I'm seeing on waivers that could emerge as an interesting name. We already talked about Isaiah Roby. I moved him down here from before. Hassan Whiteside is on my watch list. The Kings are very shorthanded with no Marvin Bagley in the front court. They may have no choice but to give him 20 minutes a night, and that should actually get him close enough to value. Daniel House in Houston. We don't know if the 24 minutes he played in the last game was because he was coming back from injury or if, if that's the plan for him going forward. By the way, John Wall is in for the Rockets tonight. And Depot, they're both back in there. The starting lineup for Houston, Wall, Depot, House, Tate, and Wood. So Kevin Porter Jr. to the bench. Jay Sean Tate, Daniel House stay in the starting five. That actually puts Daniel House a little bit uh, into slightly brighter lights. I'm still putting him on the watch list because I don't think he's about to explode tonight or anything, but... You never know. Maxi Kleba is my last watch list guy because he's been getting a pretty solid 30-plus minutes a game the last week, week and a half. He hasn't been a fantasy value in that week, but that's because he hasn't blocked any shots. And when that number levels off for him, because with Kleba, you're usually going to get about 1.2 blocks. If he's playing 30 minutes plus, he's at 0.2 over that stretch. If you just add blocks to what he's doing anyway he immediately becomes a top 100 or better fantasy player. So Kleba, right now, dramatically undervalued 
in fantasy. And I, I know he's on my watch list because I don't think you need to... I put him on my watch because I don't think you need to add him because I don't think people are racing out to grab the dude. But maybe they should be. And the last part of our weekend review before we pivot to looking towards the weekend are the buy-sell portion of the proceedings. I talked about Toronto yesterday or the day before. I can't remember which show it was on. But I do believe the Raptors players are going to be buy-low candidates if they aren't already. We saw Freddie Van Fleet and Pascal Siakam come back in the Raptors' last game, and they were terrible. But they were predictably terrible because they hadn't played in weeks, and they're coming off an illness where they couldn't stay warm to drop back in. You know, it's not like, you know, sometimes these guys miss a game with flu-like symptoms or a tummy bug or whatever, and they can get right back out there and practice. These guys aren't practicing with COVID. They're in quarantine, and I don't think many of them could even if they wanted to. I think Freddie Van Fleet and I think Pascal Siakam both continue to have subpar games for the next, I don't know, two, three, four games. Maybe things start to come around a little bit. If the Raptors have a particularly heavy schedule, that might make it tougher. OG Ananobi, I guess, is about ready to come back, so that also creeps in as a potential buy low. But monitor it very closely. If you, if you feel the tide turning on these players where public perception starts to think, wow, they've, they've lost a step, go grab them on the cheap. And the other one, and we talked about this actually earlier today, we did our Real Big 3 episode earlier on Friday, the Time Lord. I think he's a really interesting name to put on the buy and sell list And I think what I'm about to say to you guys is going to surprise you. I think Time Lord is a buy. And I know what your immediate reaction is. Dan, how can you buy on someone who's all hype right now? And the answer is, he's not being hyped enough. On the Real Big 3 episode we had earlier today, I asked Jonas and Bogman what they thought about this. Jonas said, not even being close to hyped enough. My buddy Jonas arguing that the Time Lord could actually be a second or third round value the rest of the way. Bogman said, I'm not going to go that high because if he does something dumb, he could get yanked. If Tristan Thompson doesn't get moved, he could slot back in and Time Lord's minutes could come back down from 23 to 17 or 18. And they both make good points. I sat there somewhat quietly. I don't think they really made me plant my flag in any particular number. But I think there's a very real chance that the Time Lord is a top 50 fantasy player the rest of the way. A very real chance of that because he's currently doing it. And it's, yeah, a little bit of a limited sample size. His minutes have been higher. So over the last couple of weeks, he's number eight. He's a first rounder. Over his last five or six ball games, over the last month, he's number 40. 10 points, 8 boards, 2 assists, 0.6 steals, 2.7 blocks, 73%. Whoa, from the field. Bad free throw, very low turnovers. Uh, quite good, really, in you know 7 out of the 9 categories. That's how you end up inside the top 50. That's in 19 and a half minutes a game. I'm looking at the list... And you can look at Yahoo or Basketball Monster, whatever ranking page you actually want to look at right now. Look at the other guys ranked near 40 and tell me if there's anyone on that list that the current Time Lord 
GM, whoever, whatever team has him right now, would they turn down anyone on that list? I don't think so. Here's 40 through 50. Michael Porter Jr., Brandon Ingram, Jamal Murray, Kyle Lowry, Julius Randle, John Collins, Lonzo Ball, Tyrese Halliburton, Mike Conley, Lonzo Ball, Pascal Siakam. Sorry, LaMelo Ball. Lonzo's about a round back. Where the hell is Lonzo? He's in the 60s somewhere, I think. So, if you offered any of those guys for the Time Lord, I'm, I could almost guarantee you'll get him. Okay, that means you've probably paid too much. If it's that easy, you've paid too much. What about the 50 through 60 range? 51 through 60 is Shea, Norman Powell, Rob Covington, Al Horford, Jalen Brown, who we called the easiest sell-high candidate of the entire universe back in January, and hopefully you guys pulled that one off. DeAndre Hunter, who, okay, fine. OG Ananobi, Trey Young is at 58, by the way, right now in 9-cat. Larry Nance Jr. and Zion is number 60. How many of those guys do you think you could get Time Lord for? Probably most of them, not Hunter, because he's been out for a long time. Probably not Norman Powell, because as great as he's been, there's always going to be a little fear that when the Raptors are actually at full strength, he gets shoved to sort of a fourth or fifth wheel type of thing. But Shea, yeah, I'm not giving up Shea for the Time Lord anyway. Rocco, Horford, Jalen Brown, Ananobi, Trey, that's, yeah, you're not doing that. Larry Nance, Zion, yeah, maybe Nance doesn't get it done. But here's the thing, now you're starting to get into the realm of where people might start to say no. What if we look a little bit further? Mikel Bridges, Ben Simmons, DeJounte Murray, Donovan Mitchell, Jared Allen, Kevin Porter Jr., DeLon Wright, JV, Lowry Markinen, Mitchell Robinson. Start thinking about grabbing some of those guys in that range, and maybe you could start even a tiny bit lower if you wanted to. But I would look at guys in that range and see if you could trade them for Robert Williams. Malik Beasley's in there. I don't think DeLon Wright's going to get it done. People don't value him as much as they should. But JV, Larry Markinen, Mikel Bridges, those guys would almost definitely get it done. Larry Nance, maybe. Ananobi, that would probably get it done. Horford, they might say no to that one. These, This is a group of guys I think you could consider trading for the Time Lord. People will call you nuts. People will call you nuts. It is a little bit nuts. If I'm going to be so fully frank on my own discussion here on the podcast, it is a little bit nuts to give up someone with that type of consistent value, name recognition, reliability. You guys know how much I love Jonas Valanciunas. You know, top 70 type of guy this year without blocking shots. But if you're willing to take the slight rebounding hit and chase a little upside, you might get a guy who goes top 40 the rest of the way. Robert Williams could average two and a half blocks the rest of the season. He could be up there sort of in, you know, Miles Turner territory. What if he continues to trend up? And just understanding that the floor for him right now, is probably top 90. I don't see him going any lower than that the rest of the way. Top 90 floor, top 30 ceiling? Go, you know, find something good on your team and give it up. Now I'm serious. Get silly. Get weird, man. He's a buy low because he is hyped and he's not hyped 
enough. A reminder here, mid-show, to please enter our Rate the Podcast competition for our buddies over at Today in Sports Betting. Search for Today in Sports Betting on iTunes or the podcast app on your mobile device. Screenshot your five-star review with a subscription click to me, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, on Twitter or email it to teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Also, shout out to our three sponsors here on Fantasy NBA Today, mybookie.ag. Open up an account and make your first deposit with promo code HOOPBALL today. After you make that first deposit, shoot me a line on Twitter at Dan Bespris or email me, teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com, and let me know you did so because I have a little prize for you as well. Manscaped.com. What a great company they've, they've got. They've, they sent me a t-shirt. Uh, they really like to butter up their hosts, and I enjoy being buttered. Hoopball20 is the promo code over at Manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping on whatever your order may be. The lawnmower, the weed whacker, the shears, that's the nail kit. They got all sorts of good stuff over there. And t-shirts if you want, with, uh, I believe, portion of proceeds on those going to the Testicular Cancer Society. So working with a good group these days as well. And expressvpn.com slash hoopball is the website there if you want to get 15 months for the, fri- the price of 12. Let's take a look at the weekend coming up. Each team's next ball game. We will hit them all lightning round style. Try to get this thing done in the next five to ten minutes and get you set for the next couple of days before we loop back around to our reverse chronological lightning round Monday. Tonight, Friday night, I want to make sure, I know that you guys, these games are likely going or even over by the time you're listening to this show, but here's what we're paying attention to. Spurs are at Cleveland. You're watching Keldon Johnson, and really, if anybody else on San Antonio can begin to separate themselves, although I don't think that's going to be the case. Cavaliers, nothing. Kings, Hassan Whiteside is the guy you're paying attention to out there with a maybe a little nod to Corey Joseph, although I hate his fantasy game, so probably not. Boston, I mean, that this Robert Williams discussion might be moot if if by the time you're listening to this show, he's got a 16-12 and 12 game with four blocks cooking. It may be too late even to give up a top 50 guy for him. The Pacers, TJ McConnell, who we've already called a drop, but keep one eye on him and uh, Karis LeVert, his growth. Miami, nothing. Warriors, Jordan Poole with Steph out. Sounds like he's likely to miss both games with the Grizzlies this weekend. Memphis, it's really just about who's playing minutes. I'd say we're watching Melton, but sometimes I'd rather not know what's happening on a night-to-night basis and just check him out at the end of, you know, every four or five games and see, oh, good, he's been good again, even though there was this one terrible one where Jenkins played him 12 minutes and this other amazing one where he got 24. So that's the don't watch. Screw you, Grizzlies. You're fun, but I can't watch you because every time DeAnthony Melton comes out of the game, I get angry. The Nets, mm, Nick Claxton, he's worth watching. He should have probably been on our watch list, so apologies for not throwing him in there. He got 23 minutes in there last game, and that's a really big deal. If he gets up and over 20, completely changes his outlook. I'm not sure there's enough center minutes left with Blake Griffin, Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan all vying for them when healthy. Right now, with Kevin Durant and Blake out, then uh, it's just old man DeAndre Jordan, and so that does create a, a pocket there where we've seen Claxton kind of step through it a little, at least in their last ball game. Orlando, it's all about health. It sounds like Fournier and Gordon 
are in for this one. Terrence Ross still out. Detroit, really nothing until Killian Hayes comes back. Not super into the Isaiah Stewart waiting game yet. Houston, we just talked about it. This is about as healthy as they're going to get. So this is a really good game tonight, Friday night, I should say, those of you listening over the weekend, to gauge what the Rockets are planning to do really in total, and then we can reassess if they trade Oladipo and don't get a high-minutes guy coming back. I still, if they trade Oladipo, I gotta think they want to get a young player back, like a Tyler Hero or a Kelly Oubre, who's not as young, but still relatively young. Whatever they're doing there, and I don't even know who else is in the Oladipo sweepstakes, but I think we've heard the Mavericks maybe, so like a Josh Richardson might be coming back the other way, or Tim Hardaway Jr., who's not a young guy at all. Neither really is Richardson. I, I, I don't know who would go back. Maybe there are places they send him where nobody of high usage goes back the other way, and that creates additional playing time for guys like Kevin Porter Jr. and K.J. Martin and Daniel House. Houston remains very much in flux, but this is a big data point game, so pay close attention to this one on Friday night. Utah, nothing Toronto getting guys back, but nothing really other than maybe trying to gauge whether or not there's a buy low window happening. Chicago, does the starting lineup stick or will they get thwomped by Denver and have to change things up again for the Nuggets? Uh, Will Barton's been great. I'm also watching, as you guys know, Paul Millsap because I think he could be an interesting nine-cat roto type of dude. Facundo Campazzo has been an intriguing streamer type for assists and steals, but I don't think he's good for anything beyond that stuff. Minnesota, uh, nothing really, at least until D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley come back. Phoenix, nothing. Dallas, nothing really. I guess Maxi Kleba, although they've been playing starter players, starters minutes lately, which is really cool, finally. Maybe we're starting to get a little bit of clarity out in Dallas of who Rick Carlisle really wants to run out there. Guys, I think Maxi Kleba is someone you should be considering adding. I know I had him on our watch list, but he's number 117 in 27 minutes. So just assuming that that does go up by 10 to 15%, he would be an easy, he just walks right into uh, seventh, eighth round value. We just need some damn blocked shots. That's what we're waiting on at this point. Portland, uh, you're tracking CJ McCollum and his return, and then whenever Nurkic comes back, but that's not going to be probably for another week, week and a half, something to that effect. We turn the page towards Saturday, Atlanta, uh, nothing really. There's some health stuff. The Lakers, not much. We've seen that no one really is going to be the big AD replacement level guy. Alex Caruso came back, so Taylor Horton Tucker went back down to about 18 minutes of ballgame. Philadelphia, they're without Seth Curry for a couple of games, but last time, Furkan Korkmaz and Shake Milton kind of split the streaming there. If you're going to stream, you're probably going Milton. Bucks, do we get to see them with P.J. Tucker? He's not going to be a thing, but what does he do to some of the other guys in the front court? And then Charlotte and the Clippers. Uh, Clippers is a Marcus Morris watch situation. First time we've really had to pay much attention to the Clippers since very early on this year, trying to figure out how the surge and Zubat's center thing was going to shake itself out. And then I think the only team, teams, two teams I think that don't play Friday, Saturday are Washington and New York. Washington, very little. If Davis Breton's now out for a couple of weeks, does anybody actually soak up those minutes? Does that push? I mean, their center choices out there are so terrible, but does this actually open things up enough where one guy maybe 
can get to fantasy value? I doubt it. And then with the Knicks, you're just tracking when point guards are coming back. The center position, do we see Mitchell Robinson here this weekend? Possibly. Mm, I would guess maybe next week for him. But the Nerlens Taj thing has been a pain in the butt lately, and so uh, probably don't have the stones to trot uh, Nerlens out, at least while he's running into a, a Tom Thibodeau-shaped wall or Tom Thibodeau bear-hugging Taj Gibson-shaped hole in the wall. I don't know. Apparently he doesn't fit through it, whatever it is. And that is your weekend preview, and that is your week in review edition of Fantasy NBA Today. Thanks for joining us this week, everybody. I appreciate you listening every week. Again, please do take time to rate and review today in sports betting. I want to give out some more money on this show, and I also want to see that podcast take off because Devin and crew are doing an incredible job breaking down March Madness games and getting you guys plays and winners. Join us in the Hoopball premium discord by getting a subscription over at hoop-ball.com have a wonderful weekend i am dan vespers at dan vespers on twitter we'll talk to you monday we recap the whole damn thing all over again so long everybody This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.